I want to explore the issue of birchat chatanim, something that's commonly uh, mislabeled, and I, I'll, I'll explain why, sheva brachot. Uh, it is such an identifier that people say, you know, that, that you say sheva brachot, that they refer to a festive meal during the week of the wedding as a sheva brachot. And it even comes to the point where people um, say, when they want to speak about it in the singular, says, I'm, I'm getting one of the sheva bracha, right? I'm getting a sheva bracha. It, it's uh, it's uh, <laughs> quite odd, but, uh, you know, people who's maybe Ivrit is a little weak kind of get that way. But sheva bracha itself is a misnomer, as we will see. But we're going to explore the issue of birchat chatanim, which is the proper name for this, and uh, and and see set one curious thing and two curious proposals. Let's take a look. Birchat uh, chatanim, literally the bracha for grooms, uh, is a bracha that shows up only, in only one place in Tanaitic literature. It's a Mishnah in Masachet Migilah. You see it in front of you in source one, and it's that famous Mishnah that lists all those things that you need a minion for. Ein porsin et shma machlok rishonim. What that may mean. That seems to be Chazor Hashatz. Ein nosim kapeim bechad kohenim. Ein korim b'Torah. Ein maftirin b'Navi. We know those are. Ein nosim mamad moshad, which was a public uh, ritual that was done on the way back from the cemetery. We don't do it anymore. Um, and ve'ein omrim berkat avelim v'chatanim, etc., etc., etc. Pachot miasara. You need a minion for these things. So there's a mention of berkat chatanim. Now notice, Birkat Chatanim is not Birkot Chatanim, it's Birkat Chatanim, in the singular. The Bracha of the Chatanim, and it's lined up with Birkat Avelim. And by the way, that parallel shows up in numerous places, we'll see a couple of them uh, um, later on in the Gemara, where Birkat Avelim and Birkat Chatanim are sort of seen as a matched pair. Right? And of course, you know, they're both seven-day experiences, and they're both emotional intensities, but uh, we'll see also regarding the bracha. The um, in Masachtot Tanot, these are Masachtot that are post-Talmudic Masachtot, meaning eighth, ninth century, uh, and typically uh, from, from Providence of Eretz Israel, has the following line: min haTorah. How do we know that we're supposed to bless the chatanim? And we know that idea in the Torah. And they quote the pasuk that I started last week's share with, which is the bracha that. Uh, Lavan and Betuel evidently, or Rivka's family gave to her when she alighted on the camel back to follow the servant back to end up marrying Yitzchak. Right? There's even a beautiful Agadah. There's a number of beautiful Agadot about the first marriage in history, Adam and Chava, and the role of Akadosh Baruch Hu in it. And one of them is as follows, Amar Avahu, this is in Breshit Rabbah. Natal HaKadosh Baruch Hu kos shel bracha uberchan. God took a kos shel bracha and he blessed the couple. All right, we're going to come back to the kos shel bracha later on. Amar Rabbi Simlai, and later on that same midrash, Matzinu HaKadosh Baruch Hu mevarech hatanim umekashet kalot, and several other acts of chesed. And in saying, how do we know that God is mevarech hatanim, Says, how do we know the guys varechatanim shenem shemar vayvarech otam Elohim? And I put the rest of the pasuk in. Vayomer lahem Elohim pruvu miluataritz vachiv shua. In other words, God blessed Adam and Chava, and He said to them, "Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, etc., etc." 
right? And that's all seen as Birchat Chatanim, which means Birchat Chatanim in, from the perspective of, and this is the first that we hear something of towards the content or the idea of what Birchat Chatanim should include is not praising God for the fact that there is such a thing as marriage. That's not the sum total here, but rather invoking God's blessing on the couple that they should be successful and be fruitful, multiply. And that's very much in the spirit of the bracha that Rivka got. It wasn't, we are so proud of you, you're a beautiful young girl, you do a great job with the water, but rather that you should be successful and this is how God should bless you, right? Um, before moving on to the actual text of, of Birchat Chatanim, there's a, a note in the Tosefta that we're going to have to pay attention to. Uh, and... That is as follows. In, in Tosef the Brachot, in the first parak, Elu Brachot Shepotchot Bahen Bibaruch. Now, when you look at Brachot, typically, when you say, what identifies something as a Bracha? So our first take is, well, the first six words are a dead giveaway. Baruch HaTashem Elokeinu Melech HaOlam. Let me know it's a Bracha. And that's what we call Pticha. That that form part of the formula is called the Pticha, the introductory formula of a Bracha. And the Tosafta says, Elu brachot shepotchot behen behen bebaruch, and then, at least in some versions, kol abrachot kulan potchan potchot baruch. All brachot have to start with that, but there are exceptions. And two of those exceptions are sitting here in source five, in berchat chatanim. You, you, we call somebody up, you know, mechubed with the fourth bracha, the fifth bracha is, uh, you know, the great uncle of etc. He gets up and he takes a kos and he says, sos tasis. He doesn't say baruch atat. And then Mechubed with the sixth bracha is the long-lost cousin of da 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 They come up and they say Samech to Samach and they don't start with Baruch. So what's that all about? How can you call that a bracha if it doesn't start with Baruch? So the Tosefta lays out the rules. All brachot have to have the introductory formula except Chutzim bracha smucha lishma ubracha hasmucha libracha acheret. When in the, in the Gemara they call bracha smucha lechaverta. Meaning, a bracha that is attached to another bracha. Right? That do not start with baruch. Meaning, if you have a series of brachot, and this is the way it evolves, if you have a series of brachot, and the brachot in that series are never said outside of that series, they're not independent brachot that we bring together, but the brachot that were written for that series and are never said outside of that series, then all of the brachot that follow the first one do not have baruch. And the easiest example to look at is tefillah. You get up and say, Baruch HaTashem, Eloheinu, 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 Yitzchak, Yaakov, etc. And the next bracha starts, Atah Gibor. And the next bracha starts, Atah Kadosh. And then Atah Chonein. And you never again utter the words, Baruch HaTashem, Eloheinu, Melech HaOlam, or Eloheinu, Eloheinu, at the beginning of a bracha, because you never say any of those brachot outside of the context of tefillah, or what we call Shvon Esrei. And therefore, they're all leaning, as it were, back on the first bracha like dominoes, and they all are ultimately anchored in the first bracha, which has a pticha, right? Which would then explain, and by the way, the same is true for birchat mazon, and the same is true, by the way, for the brachot after the haftarah. These are all series of brachot where those independent brachot are never said in any other context. And so that would seem to be what's operating at least through part of birchat chatanim, where two of the brachot um, are don't have a baruch. And yet, surprise, surprise, the first two do, you would think the first one would, and then two and three wouldn't either. Right? And by the way, when do you ever say Yotzer Adam or Shayatzar Adam Betzalmo outside of Birchat Chatanim? You don't. 
So you would expect that the, the system would start. Something. Without it, without a pticha. That's like sostasis. And then you're surprised even further that the last bracha starts again with parochat Hashem. So we have to figure out what's going on here in looking at this series. Now you notice how I broke the series up into three, two, and one. By the way, we call it Shavu Rachot, but how many Brachot are in front of you here? Six. There's only six. What's missing? Agafen. Right. So Barepra Agafen, which depending on the context is either said as number one or number seven. At the Chupat, it's number one, and at Birkat Amazon, it's number seven. And it's not really number seven at Birkat Amazon. All right, so let's just quickly, uh, at Birkat Amazon, how many kosot are poured before benching? Before the benching? Before benching. How many kosot of yayin are poured? Well, normally they, normally I've seen them pour two. They pour two. Why do they pour two? One, that the mezamein is going to hold when he leads the benching. Which is because Birkatamazon to an akos. When you bench, you want to have a kos, especially at a festive occasion, especially when there's a lot of people there. So we're not paid to have a kos. Second of all, we pour a second cup, which we don't really don't need to pour now. We're just getting ready. And that's a cup for Sheva Brachot. But it's not Sheva Brachot. Because what happens? Usually, uh, the younger brother of the Chatan, or I don't know, some uh, Gabai gets up. And brings the cup around and brings it to different people and points to the thing in the benches as you say that one. How many different brachot operate that way on the walk around? The answer is six, the six you see in front of you. And then what happens? We bring the cup back to the Mizamein and he picks up his original cup of benching and says, because the Bripriagafen's on the benching. And then we mix the cups together and give the Chatan one and the Kala one and the Mizamein drinks from the third cup. Right, and, uh, or from the first one, and, uh, and, you know, which means really we're saying six brachot after Berkat Amazon, and then the Borei Pragafen, which is for the wine on benching. So again, the number's strange, but looking at these six, which form the core of the Berkat Chatanim as we practice it, you notice that I did two indentations because thematically there's three different things going on. What are the first three brachot about? About mankind. About mankind, but specifically praising God for the creation of mankind. And creation of mankind in a generic sense, and then specifically in the fact that God created a definitively binary system. Sometimes you actually have to underscore that. Um, uh, in which, uh, he established the possibility of existing together in perpetuity and everything else by bringing a man and a woman together. Yeah, but those, but those first, those first three brachas do not mention man and woman. It just mentions man. Uh, correct. But why take a look in the third one of those. Meaning, from him himself, he established meaning, in Parakbet of Breshit, God takes the human male and takes part of him out and builds from that into a female. And from man himself, he built the possibility for, for, for immortality, immortality through children. Now, what are the next two brachot about? It's, it's kind of dead giveaway. Look at the first two words in each. 
What are they about? The first, uh, the next two brachot, brachot number four and five. What are they about? The, the words are words of simcha, happiness. They're about rejoicing, right? Yeah. But who's doing the rejoicing here? It's the people around. So in the first of them, it's the city of Yishalayim is rejoicing. And in the second one, it's the actual friends who are there are rejoicing. And notice, what is the focus of their rejoicing? They're relating the chatan and kala. They're dancing around. They're doing shtick. They're doing somersaults. They're, you know, dressing up in shtick. Whatever they're doing, they are elating the chatan and kala. The chatan and kala here are a unit, and the people around are relating them. So the first set of brachot is praising Hashem for creating mankind and the possibility of, of marriage. The second set is about giving praise to or noticing those people who are elating and those establishments that are elating the Chatan and Kala. And then what's the last one about? Wait, that's not referring to the couple itself? No, Reim Ahuvim is the friends, right, who are elating the Chatan and Kala. That's why it's Mesameh Chatan Vechala. Because it's Hashem also elates the Chatan and Kala. Now, what's the last bracha? Now, Pirchas, you got the point, but look at the last bracha. What's the last bracha about? It's actually about the chatan with the kala, meaning the elation of the chatan with the kala, which is why it ends, mesamecha chatan im kala. Right? Now, there's three different themes here. The first theme is praise for HaKadosh Baruch Hu. The second is identifying or praising the elators, the mesamechim. And the third is the Chatan and Kalat themselves. All right? And that's the, explains the verbiage of the thing. So we, even though there's six brachot here, there's really three themes, and they're pretty clear, clearly distinct from each other. Parenthetically, here's the famous passage in Yumiao that the last bracha is built on. You are all saying that this place is desolate, there's no people, there's no animals. In the streets of Yerushalayim, that are desolate with no people. Nobody's living there. There's no animals. What's going to be heard in this place? The voice of people who are thanking God. These will be all people who bring korban toda to the Beit Hamikdash. Why? I'm going to restore the fortunes of the land and bring everybody back like it used to be. So this image of Kol Sasson and Kol Simcha is part of a messianic um, image, which, of course, many of us, Baruch Hashem, are able to experience today of seeing celebration in the streets of Yerushalayim and in the cities of Yehuda, um, as uh, as we are able to hear the Kol Chatam and Kol Kala. Okay. So that seems to be the brachot. Now, the again, there is no mention in Tanaitic literature of of how many brachot, although it seems to be one. There's certainly no mention of any nusach, any wording of the brachot, until we get to um, the sugya in Masachet Tubot. So we have a brayta that says, "Mevarchin berchat chatanim ba'asara kol shiva," which is new information. We didn't have that from the Mishnah. Which is for the entire seven days of celebration, we say Birchat Chatanim. Now, Amar Rab Panim He says there has to be somebody new there in order to justify saying the bracha. What that is, the details of Panim Chadashot is a sheer by itself. 
So my mivarech, notice they asked the question. So Amar Rav Yehuda, this is now in Bavel, we're in the end of the third, the middle of the third century in Bavel, way later than the Mishnah. So he says, Baruch Adashon Kim Cholam, Shakol Baralich Vodo, Yotzer Hadam, Asher Yatzar Tadam et Samov, etc. Sostasis, Tasayat Samach, Baruch Adashon Kim Cholam, Asher Barasasov et Simcha, etc. The brachot that we're familiar with. However, you'll see that there's some flexibility here. And by the way, there's six brachot here. There's no mention of Bar Pergafen here. Levi equal of a Rebbe behilule to Rabbi Shimon Berei. So Levi, who was a student of Rebbe, came to Rebbe's house at the celebration of Rabbi Shimon, his son's wedding. Barich Chamesh. This, by the way, indicates that they weren't honoring different individuals. You got up and you said all the brachot. He only said five of them. Rav Asi equal of a Rav Ashi behilule to Mar Berei when Mar Berei Rav Ashi got married 200 years later, and Baruch Sheet. He said all six of these. And the Gemara then discusses what they're dis- the dispute about, and the question was whether you say two and three. You say Asher Yatsar essentially twice or, or once, and it's based on an understanding of, of the of the Breshit Aleph versus Bet, essentially. Okay. Um, we have yet another piece to look at here. Rav Ashi equal the of Kana Yomakama Baruch Kulu. Because we, one of the questions that I put out there, I'm going to address right now. Rav Ashi <laughs> came to his Rebbe, Rav Kahana, and there was a wedding. So the first day of the celebration, he made all six brachot. Anytime after that, there was somebody new there, he would say all six. Which is incorporated into the Zimun, which we talked about last week. So if there was no new person at the table at the next subsequent meal, he only said Asher Barat, the last bracha. And then the Gemara goes on with some details about how long you'd say Asher Barat, which now can explain one of the conundrums we had. Remember I mentioned that this last bracha is always said in in this context, and therefore it should not have a baruch. It should be bracha suchalachavreta. But now we discover that this bracha was sometimes said independently, meaning it was the only bracha said. Because if there was no panim chadashot, then you don't say any of the earlier five brachot, you just say this one, so you can understand why you would have a p'ticha baruch Hashem, because sometimes, and perhaps even often, it was said independently, and therefore it was not part of the series. So that would explain that. We still need to figure out something much larger here, and that's what I want to show you here. The, the the first of two questions I want to tackle is <clears throat> Pinchas, you said we're all familiar with Boripiragafen and it shows up in Masachat Sofrim, right? Here we go. Um, this is um, a description of Berchat Avelim, the brachot that were said in the Avel's house during Shiva when they're benching. A whole elaborate uh, uh, series and ritual. We'll like, we'll take a, look, take a look a little bit at that in a minute. Right, this is actually a description of the Rosh Chodesh feast that they would have. Meaning that you bring a second cup. So at both Berchat Avelim, and Berchat Chatanim, when they would bench, they would bring another cup. However, Rabbeinu Tam makes an interesting observation. Rabbeinu Tam, remember, is 12th century. 
says, V'afogav, delom matzinu kos b'talmud, ela amrin and Benetan points out there is no coast for, for Birchat Chatanim. Matter of fact, the Gemara says, either you say all of them and that's six, or you leave one out and that's five. Nobody says seven. Sheva Brachot, by the way, the phrase does not show up anywhere in the Gemara. And there's no coast for Birchat Chatanim in the Gemara. And he says, nonetheless, Yishlam litfos derech ha'yishara hu'il v'nahagu kos. Nonetheless, the minig is to have a coast. Rav Yehudai, he goes. So he points back to the 8th century uh, Gaon, Rav Yehudai Gaon, who said he established that we should use a coast, which means a coast was not originally in there. So I'm going to now ask the question, so why did they add a coast in? Why is there a coast for, for Birchat Chatanim? Right? Which, by the way, interestingly, may, may be the reason for a universal minhag that we have, which not a lot of people are familiar with the reason for. You know, we're going to have, we are wedding in Hashem is on Sunday. So the first thing that's going to happen is Yoni is going to be Makati Shariel in front of Tuadim. And that's going to be on a coast, very pregafen. And then, um, and then Kiddushin. And then what are we going to do next under the Chuppah? What's the next thing you do under the Chuppah if nobody speaks? After the, after the, after the bracha on the, after the, the kiddushin. After the kiddushin, yeah. I think according to Minhag Sfar, they break the coast already. Okay, they might break the coast then, some break the coast later, but besides the coast. Well, well you've got Kriyak the Ktubah. We need the Kriyak the Ktubah. Why do we need the Ktubah? Why do we need to read the Ktubah? So the Rishoni point out, I think it's the Rosh points out that we read the Ktubah in order to create a break between Kiddushin and Nisuin, because we're going to have another coast. And we already said very paragraphin on one coast. We want to make sure that we're not saying a brachal batolo, so we have another coast for Nisun and break paragraphin. The ktuba becomes a hefsek. Okay, but why a coast at all? all right. So I'm going to leave that question because I'm now going to give you the real surprising bit. I don't know if you're familiar with Sefer Hachilukim. Sefer Hachilukim is the earliest Sefer Minhagim that we have. It's an eighth century work that was evidently composed in Eretz Yisrael, in Hebrew, and delineates roughly 50 um, distinctions between the custom of Eretz Yisrael and the custom of Bavel. A few years ago, we looked at one of them, which was uh, the fact that in Eretz Yisrael, on Shabbat, they would make hamotzi on one loaf, and in Bavel, they make two, what we call achamishta. They only used one in Eretz Yisrael. In, uh, in this one, which is Siman Chavchet, on Shem Mizrach, that's the people in the east, that's Bavel, Mevrachim etachatan b'sheva brachot. Which, by the way, means that by this time already, the Bregafen is included. Uvnei Eretz Yisrael b'shlosha. In Eretz Yisrael, they said three brachot, not seven. Which may mean that they said two plus Bregafen, or it may mean that Bregafen is not counted in there, and there's only three. Very strange. People have for quite a while, made an effort to try to figure out what are those three brachot. And there's been all sorts of interesting uh, proposals made. I'm not going to come with a definitive one. I'm not going to stick my head between the great scholars who involve themselves in this. I'll make a suggestion. But first I want to point out the following. The Tosefta in brachot, and this is going to bring us back, believe it or not, to the other question, which is why a kos. The Tosefta in brachot in Paragimel, Points out about Birchat Avilim. Now, this is, of course, Minhag Yeretz Yisrael Kadum. 
מקום שנהגו לומר ברכת אבלים שלוש, אומר שלוש, שתיים, אומר שתיים, אחת, אומר שתיים, אחת. It's a local minig is to say one ברכת אבלים, that's a valid minig, two is a valid minig, and three is a valid minig, and they start with three here. We don't know what these ברכות אבלים are. It's part of the benching at a Beit Ava, we don't know what these three are. Um, but um, Lieberman, in his commentary on the Tosefta, suggests that the Birchat Avelim, which was three brachot, parallels, in a sense, the Birchat Chatanim of Eretz Yisrael, which was three. Let's figure out what that's about and what's going on. Now, we don't know what the Nusach of Birchat Chatanim in Eretz Yisrael was, these three brachot, but we do have the following. In Orchot Chaim, which was written by Aaron Akon Milunel in the 13th century in Germany, uh, in actually in, in Provence, sorry. This is Birchat Chatanim for a widow and a widower. Very nice. This is playing on the fourth chapter of Ruth. And he says, and now our meaning is to say regular Sheva Bracha for them. But he said the, there, there's an older minhag to say this Bracha, and it would end with the phrase, Matzliach Ishvi Isha. Interesting. But even more interesting is in Shibole Aleket, that's 13th century Italy, has the following line. How do you end the bracha, the last bracha of Birchat Chatanim? Barachat Hashem, Mesamech Chatan Imakala. Veyeshechotmin, Matzliach Chatan Imakala. And so Lieberman suggests that this may be a holdover from the older Minhag Yeretz Yisrael, that perhaps the word Matzliach was in there as part of the, as part of the presentation. But I'd like to just I'm going to mention this very quickly. The sugya in Ktubot Dafchet, after the sugya of Sheva Bracha, Berchat Chatanim, makes the following observation Rabbi Yochanan says, Mervachin Berchat Chatanim Basara Kol Shiva, Vachatanim Minaminyan, Uberchat Avelim Basara Kol Shiva, Vein Avelim Minaminyan. And here's perhaps the strongest uh, parallel between Berchat Chatanim Berchat Avelim. You need a minyan, it said all Shiva, and then the question is, does the object of this bracha, the, the, the center point of this bracha, count towards the minyan? So avilim not and chatanim yes. Why? It's an interesting discussion. And the Gemara then goes on to tell a story about somebody who came to a Beit Avel, and the first thing that he did was actually to say something that sort of, it was a young boy who had died, who sort of like put it into context, and, you know, they said, what are you coming here to give us more tzarot? So then he said, Okay, I'm going to say the following. And he gets up and he says, Keneged Shivko, Shalakadosh Baruchu. He says to praise God. And he says a beautiful praise of God and ends, Baruch Hashem Mechayemitim. And then he says, I'm going to say something about the Avelim. And he says a beautiful bracha about the, about the Avelim and the fact that this is the way the world works. And he ends, Baruch Menachem Avelim. And then he said a third one. He says, I'm going to say a bracha for those people who come to comfort the Avilim. Right? And he ends, Baruch Which means he said three brachot, each around a particular theme relating to the Avilut. And so then there's a fourth bracha that he adds in. Right? But, um, 
It's connected to call Israel. So why are there three brachot or maybe four brachot? So we take a look at the end of the sugya and we find something fascinating, which is that they actually originally had ten cups of wine ritually drunk at the Beit Avel. Then they added to it and saw it was getting out of hand. But they had four after the meal. Echad keneged hazan, echad keneged berchata aretz, echad keneged bonei yushalayim, echad keneged atov meitiv. Which means there was a cup to correspond with each one of the brachot of berchata mazon. Really weird. Yes. But even more fun is that if you look through these brachot, it's possible that these brachot were then interspersed and enhanced. And we have proof, a lot of support for this from things that we found in the Geniza with Berchat HaMazon HaMefuyetet, that they were actually intertwined into the Berchat HaMazon. Um, and you find some, a somewhat similar passage here in Yushalmi in, in Brachot Paragimel. So I'd like to suggest the following, um, taking a look at the whole picture. Berchat Chatanim, again in the singular, is mentioned in the Mishnah. We don't know what it was. We don't know whether it was a la coast. We don't have any mention of a coast. But we know that you need a minyan for Berchat Chatanim. And then later we hear from Yochanan that you say Berchat Chatanim all seven days and you, and, uh, and Chatanim count towards the minyan. Okay. So suddenly we find out that Berchat Chatanim is part of the week long celebration. We then find that in Eretz Israel, we don't know what the content was, but we see that there were three brachot that made up Berchat Chatanim. And we see constant parallels between Berchat Chatanim and Berchat Avilim. And when we see the text of Berchat Avilim that's recorded here in the Gemaraos, but Bavli, it uses phrases that connect to each one of the brachot of Berchat Amazon and seems to mean that either you're going to do something kind of like Tzur Mishalot, where you have a different uh, stanza corresponding with one of the brachot of Berchat Amazon, or it's actually interwoven into Berchat Amazon. And the Berchat Amazon, each bracha is enhanced Kind of like what we do on Tishabav with, uh, with, uh, uh, where we totally change the bracha, take the essential bracha, and then expand it and have a different chatima. And so it seems to be something of the same thing. So let's get back to the coast. Where's the coast coming from? So I have to tell you, when I was younger, which is every, every time before this minute in my life, I always thought that Berchat Chatanim, what's commonly called Sheva Brachot, the, the feasting during the week, and the recitation of the Brachot at the meal, was essentially a replay of the Chuppah. And the idea is, let's relive the Simcha of the Chuppah all week. And we to justify it, we have to make sure there's somebody there who hasn't yet been at the celebration. Panim Chadashot. And then we say Shabbat is Panim Chadashot. Right, we have other possibilities of what might be Panim Chadashot. And we say, this is enough to kind of engender a re-celebration. Beautiful. It's a beautiful idea. But that means that Berchat Chatanim is essentially a function of the Chupah. And at the meals, it's a replay. And then the question of where the coast comes in. So I'd like to suggest that perhaps we should look at it the other way. So what Birchat Chatanim is, essentially, just like Birchat Avinim, on the opposite extreme, is a an enhancement of the Birchat Hamazon at a meal that celebrates the Chatar and Kala. That's what Birchat Chatanim is. We start by praising God, Shabbat. 
Then we praise those people who have come to elate the Chatan and Kala at this festive meal. And then we turn our laser focus on the Chatan and Kala themselves, and God should bless you with all these great things, and you should be the harbinger of great celebration in Chutzot Yerushalayim. It's beautiful. Now, since Birkat Chatanim is essentially part of the meal, that's where it's anchored. And of course, because Birkat Amazon to Unakos, Therefore, what do we do? Instead of just saying, and then some brachot on Berchat Chatanim, we say Berchat Chatanim first, and the coast now operates for both. Which is why who drinks that cup? We mix it with the other cup, and the Chatan and Kala both drink it, because it's part of Berchat Chatanim. So now, we're going to pull it the opposite way. The Berchat Chatanim really starts with the meal. With the meals during the entire week and perhaps longer, you see the sugya, uh, maybe till 30 days in certain circumstances, that a meal that is dedicated and focused on celebrating with the Chatan and Kala. Once that exists, we're going to say, oh, you know what? We're going to enhance the Nisuin by introducing sort of a preview of what their celebration is going to look like. Let's have those same brachot at the Nisuin, based on the maxim that kalab alo brachas or And so therefore we're going to take the brachot of celebration that we're going to have at the meals over the course of the next week, and we're going to introduce it early at the at the chupah. Aha, once you're going to introduce it early at the chupah, you're going to add a kos, because the kos is really signaling that this belongs to Berkat Amazon and this belongs to the festive meal. It's funny, people come for the chupan, that's natural, and they sing and they dance afterwards and they're so happy, and they slip out. And then at a long wedding, you could just uh, be searching around for a minion for the Berkat Chatanim at the end. And yet the ikar is very likely the Berkat Chatanim at the meal, and the Berkat Chatanim at all the meals that take place at least during the next week that are meals that are designed to elate the Chatan and Kala together. We've just touched the tip of the iceberg on this issue, but uh, and there's a lot more to look at, and I encourage everyone to look on their own and get back to me and let me know what you find. Um, and there is some interesting literature. If anybody's interested, I'll be happy to send it to you, you know, on the topic. But in the meantime, uh, we are going to celebrate Chedva B'Disa V'Gila Uverina, the marriage of uh, Ariella Tioni, I'm looking forward to uh, to a, a a festive lifetime full of uh, sostasis and full of sameach to samach.